This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast, where we round up all the big headlines from overnight concerning Liverpool FC. And to help me run through those headlines, I'm delighted to say I'm joined on the line by Matt Addison. But before getting stuck into them, I just want to promote the podcast we've got coming up at 4pm UK time today. It's an exclusive interview with the Red Bull Salzburg manager, Jesse Marsh, whose exciting side played Liverpool in the group stages of this season's Champions League and who helped oversee the development of Takumi Minamino before his arrival at Anfield in January. And Matt, it was you who spoke to Jesse Marsh yesterday for this podcast. Can you just give the listeners a little taste of what they can expect to hear later today? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a massively exciting interview. He was really excited himself, actually, to, to speak to us and, and sort of gave away a, a lot of details in terms of Takumi Minamino, as you said, he also uh, used to be RB Leipzig's assistant manager last season before he moved to Austria. So, uh, of course, he knows Timo Werner really well and he speaks really highly and, and sort of gives a bit of insight into to him as well. And, of course, people might know Jesse Marsh's name from, as you say, Liverpool playing Salzburg earlier in the season. And, and back in October when they, they played at Anfield, there was, of course, the, the viral video that uh, that you know, obviously, was across Twitter and, and Facebook and, and things like that. When uh, obviously there was uh, a documentary being filmed about uh, Salzburg at that particular time, and and yeah, his halftime team talk was pretty intense, and, and that sort of went viral at, at the time. And so yeah, we we spoke to him about that, and he sort of admits that a few things about that, which is uh, particularly interesting because of course that prompted. Jurgen Klopp at the time to say he'd quit Liverpool if they ever decided to, <laughs> to do something similar. So, yeah, it was uh, a real, real interesting listen. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. He's a brilliant, brilliant coach, and you know, just the, the sort of enthusiasm that that he has, you know, as well as the the content as well as what he says. Is, yeah, it, it makes for a really interesting listen, and I'm massively excited for this to come out and for people to listen to it. I'm sure they will do in the droves as well. So that's 4pm, wherever you get your Blood Red podcast, or even if you want to watch it on YouTube, we're putting a video to, uh, the, to the interview as well. That'll also be out at 4pm UK time. To our first headline for this podcast, Liverpool and the 19 other Premier League clubs were allowed to return to training in small groups last week, as long as they adhered to social distancing measures. But according to a report in the Liverpool Echo sister paper, The Mirror, the players will soon be able to take part in contact training, which would really accelerate the Premier League's proposed return, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a belief now that there's enough science and, and evidence there to support this and, and all the Premier League clubs seemingly are, are on track now to, to pass through this deal. Obviously, last week, the, the sticking point really was still a few players were unconvinced, Troy Deeney being one of them. And I think N'Golo Conte sat out Chelsea's training because he wasn't you know, completely on board with with Premier League football coming back. But the belief now, according to this report anyway, is that they will come back. And there's, uh, obviously the, the vote is taking place tomorrow on, on contact training uh, and when that can return. Um, interestingly, the, the report actually says that no club um, has had more than two positive uh, COVID-19 tests so far, um, which obviously is uh, a promising sign and, and does point towards that scientific evidence being there that it will be safe to come back. And yeah, the sort of final line from the story is that the vote 
uh, to come on Thursday to decide the restart date. It's likely to be June the 26th. That will give the players sort of an extra couple of weeks on the initial target. I think it was the 12th and mm-hmm. possibly the 19th. But the, the Premier League players want as much time to train alongside each other, build up their fitness and, and make sure they don't get any injuries when they do come back. So, yeah, it, it seems like um, positive news could be coming out this week, obviously. We'll keep you updated across the website and YouTube channel and podcast and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, it seems like we could get an actual uh, concrete date this week in terms of not just returning to, to training, but returning to playing matches as well. And I'm pretty sure off the top of my head that the Bundesliga finishes that uh, weekend it of does, June yeah. the 26th. So the Bundesliga could finish and, and then the Premier League could sort of take over that. So sort of... You know, for for fans who, who want to watch matches on television, it's quite uh, an ideal timing, really. It will be indeed. So we're all gearing up for the men's Premier League to return, but there will be no further football in the Women's Super League or Women's Championship this season. The decision to end those competitions immediately was made yesterday. If you can just fill us in a bit more about this, Matt, and Liverpool's response to the news. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. That obviously the women's game doesn't have as much money swilling around in it as the men's game, as you say. And look, it's a, it's a real difficult situation. The, the news yesterday came out that the Women's Super League has been cut short. Uh, we know that at this stage, but we don't know yet what the decision will be in terms of the final standings and, and the way that that plays out. Obviously, Liverpool, bottom of the table, um, it, it's not looking good. If, if relegation stands, which we expect it, it probably will, then... It's looking like they could go down. They've only scored six goals all season. They've only got six points. Um, and so whichever method gets used, whether you take the standings as they are, whether you do points per game or or whatever, weighted points per game perhaps, whichever way you look at it, they end up finishing bottom of the table. So it, it's not a great scenario for them. Um, it, it, it's a difficult one because obviously... I think the Women's Super League in an ideal world would keep a team as as big as Liverpool in there to to sort of draw up as much interest as possible. We saw 23,500 supporters at at Anfield for the first time for the women's team this season. Um, You know, that was a a big occasion. I was there myself, actually, to to watch that. And it felt like a big sort of step forward, really, for, for the women's game over the last few years. There's been a lot of progression made within sort of the, the playing standard, within the facilities, within crowd numbers, television coverage, media coverage as a whole. Um, but this coronavirus, you know, it, it is in danger really of putting the whole game back by a few years because you know, the, the funding simply isn't there for, for teams, not just for Liverpool, but for, for other teams as well. And, you know, I spoke to, to Kieran Maguire, the, the financial expert last week and, he was saying, you know, this really does threaten the league, individual teams. You know, everyone is, is at risk here because the women's Super League teams, pretty much all of them are losing a million to two million each year. They're not going to be making money before coronavirus. That certainly wasn't the case. And so there's no reason to think it will be now. So, yeah, it's a it's a real difficult situation. It's It's not a great situation for Liverpool either um, in terms of sporting sense but what they've said as far as I'm aware is just that you know they'd much rather have the season played out they believe that 
you know, that was the best way to go about it. But, you know, on the evidence of the season so far, even if these matches had been played, there's no guarantee that, that they would have escaped safety. Someone else who may not play again this season is Philip Coutinho. And according to reports this morning, the next time we do see him play, it could be back in the Premier League. Yeah, potentially. Um, obviously, Coutinho injured at the moment. He's got a, an ankle knock, which is going to keep him out for a couple more weeks. And we know now that the Bayern Munich haven't taken up that option to buy him. I think it from the top of my head, it would have cost about 107 million euros for, for him to be bought in. So it, it's not a massive surprise, I don't think, to be honest. I mean, he ever intended to, to spend that sort of money on him. Um, it, it was always really a deal which was short term. It, it was a loan, and, and then they would reassess if he'd have been, you know, their best player by an absolute mile. Maybe they would have paid that, but it would have taken certainly a lot more than the performances he's produced this season for them to pay a fee as big as that, and of course the, the two hundred and fifty thousand pound a week wages as well. So, yeah, the, the report sort of says that. He might not play for them again this season. Um, not sure entirely what that's based on, to be honest, because he will be back from injury in a couple of weeks and there's more than a couple of weeks of, of the season left. But yeah, if he doesn't play for them again, I mean, who knows where he'll end up next. Premier League clubs have been linked, but will they pay the money? Will they pay the wages? I'm not too sure. I saw the link to, to Arsenal last week. Maybe that's... a uh, a destination we haven't really heard too much about before. Maybe he could go there. But for me, I think the, the most likely scenario is that he gets another chance at Barcelona at this point in time because you know, they're, they're not realistically going to be going to, to be able to get the sort of money that they would want for him. Um, obviously, spent $143 million, I think it was, on him. They want to get most of that money back. And I just can't see anybody paying. You know, even half of that would seem a stretch at this stage so yeah new manager at Barcelona since Coutinho left and Kike Setien potentially could give him another chance I think he is an excellent player and if you can find the right position for him he could still be a success there so of course the, the report says that the Premier League clubs are, are interested and you know that's not a, a major surprise if the price is right but I think for me the most likely situation now is that he'll start next season as a Barcelona player. So, uh, yeah, we will see if he plays for Bayern Munich again, but certainly won't be playing for them against Dortmund tonight in the Bundesliga because, as I say, he's, he's out injured for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, really looking forward to that game, no doubt about it. Uh, we all know Coutinho's departure did enable Liverpool to spend world record fees for a defender on Virgil van Dijk and a goalkeeper on Alisson Becker. Without anyone knowing it at the time, I suppose it was two years ago today that the wheels to bring Alisson to Anfield were really set in motion because it was on this day two years ago that Loris Karius had his nightmare in the Champions League final defeat to Real Madrid in Kiev. But Matt, like looking back now, it, it really is a, a thing where out of a very bad situation came a very good one, you know, because unfortunately if Karius made those mistakes in that game which which cost Liverpool the chance of winning the Champions League which they, they did go on to do a year later but it did allow Alisson's arrival to, to Anfield to happen and, and what a difference he's made Yeah, exactly you, you really can't underestimate the, the importance of, of Alisson now you, you, know, you, you saw the difference straight away Liverpool talk about these game-changing transformational players they'll only pay the big fees for those types of players and obviously Virgil van Dijk was one and Alison Becker was, was the other really so 
Yeah, it was uh, a world record deal, I think, for a goalkeeper at the time, not for long, because I think Chelsea paid slightly more for, for Kepa just a couple of weeks later. But you know that sort of reflected the the need really for Liverpool to replace Carrius. His confidence, as, as we know, was completely shot, and there was no way that, that Jurgen Klopp could go into the following season with him in goal. So yeah, Liverpool didn't really have a choice. They negotiated the fee and, and got the player in the end. And as I say, look, every single time you you watch him play, you just you're surprised if he ever concedes a goal. Not just because of the defence in front of him, but he just deals with everything with so much ease. He makes everything look easy, and I think you know that's the the biggest thing for a goalkeeper that you know sometimes we've seen. Certainly, I think in uh, the Champions League last season against Napoli, he makes that that save that that keeps Liverpool in the the tournament in the group stages. And people might say, well, that was straight at him, but it was straight at him for a reason because he's perfectly positioned. He knows exactly where he needs to be and and spreads his body and and saves it. So, yeah, he's obviously a fantastic goalkeeper. Changed Liverpool's sort of fortunes under Jurgen Klopp. And I think he's certainly for me the best goalkeeper in the world at this moment in time and the fact that you know Liverpool have, have missed him for sort of a, a significant portion of this season through injuries and suspensions the fact that they're so far ahead in the Premier League and, and did so well this season up until it was uh, paused for a few weeks so the fact that they did that without him you know is is almost a, a bit of a surprise really because he's, he's made himself one of Liverpool's biggest and most important players and Certainly, I think when we look back at this era and look back at, at Jurgen Klopp's time, I think Alisson is one of the players that we'll talk about the most. Totally agree. That's all for today's Morning Bulletin podcast. Thank you very much for joining us, ever. Have a lovely day. And please do check out Matt's podcast with Jesse Marsh when it's released later today. It's an absolutely brilliant listen. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.